0: So wonderful to be here it's always a privilege and an honor to share the word of god with you and um yeah it's yeah been doing this full-time now for 13 years for those of you who don't know I've been in josh Chen 17 years met my wife in josh Chen. i've been uh, born again 31 years ago um at a radical encounter with jesus in my room Um, I was a horrible, horrible, horrible young man, I was a depraved wretch, that's exactly what I was, and um, yeah, I had a radical encounter with the Lord, I'll maybe one day come and share that testimony with you, Um, I married, my wifey, and uh, we adopted two beautiful girls, the one is 11, the other one is 8, Lillianne and Annabel Rose, and my wife is Deborah Ann, so greetings from the Fonseil family this morning so uh, so it's good to be uh so i want to share a little bit about family i think um it's something that we we have who's got family yeah who's a family just put up your hands families all the families and got family yeah and you guys understand what it is that even within family sometimes you don't agree on certain things hey and um I I think it's like that with the family of the Lord as well. Sometimes we will agree with somebody and sometimes we won't. But you know what the beautiful thing is, is that love does cover a multitude of sins. It's beautiful to love people unconditionally and really have that family love. It's a different name for for that family love. It's called Storgio love, but I'm not yet to talk about that. So if you guys would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts If you've been in Josjean maybe longer than uh, six months, you must probably have read this portion of Scripture. Or somebody read it or somebody spoke about it, at least. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. So I just want to give you a quick prelude to what has happened. Uh, The day of Pentecost happened, uh, which we will celebrate very soon. I think next week, next week Thursday is Pentecost. And um, uh, it's a wonderful time in the life of the church. Um, although a bunch of them are really hiding. Uh, let's be kibang, you know? Jesus is not here. The, the king, the, the one that they followed, he's not here. But he said to them, go wait and I will pour out my spirit upon you. And they're in the upper room and they have this moment where uh, 120 of them receive the Holy Spirit. And then people start hearing, literally, them speaking in different languages. And a bunch of them are, well, let me first say, Peter, under the anointing in that moment, is preaching. And he's telling them what has happened. He says, this is that. This is what Joel prophesied. This is all the stuff that you guys, if you've ever read the Old Testament, this is that. And then they were cut to the heart. The Bible says, and they say, what must we do? And Peter says this to them. He says, save yourselves from this wicked generation. And on that day, 3,000 people got saved. 3,000 of them got saved, healed, delivered, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately. And a church was birthed. So, again, mostly They're counting men. So I don't know how many women got saved that day. I don't know how many children got saved that day. But let's assume there's families. And this could be well into 10,000 people that got saved. Who knows? We don't know. They say 3,000. And then verse 42 picks up on this thought of these men and women that got saved. And it says this. It starts with this. And they devoted themselves. There wasn't a Bible course. There wasn't a foundation course, which is all good. There wasn't an orientation course just to orientate you about the church and how the church is going to run. Actual fact, nobody knows how the church is going to run now. Nobody knows. They see integral things. They see three things. You need to be born again. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you need to be baptized. That's it. That's what they see. And this is the very thing that Jesus told them to go do in Matthew 28. Go into all the world and tell them. And the only way that you can tell is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Go wait and receive the Holy Spirit so that you be my witnesses. And this is what they did. They received that. And all of a sudden, there's this church. And what did they have to do? So they devote themselves, if we can read that portion of Scripture quickly. And they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So, would you say those four things are pretty important to the church? Who would, who would say? Let's vote. Let's be a voting church this morning. <laughs> who, says, who says, no, they, they don't look too important to me? Who says, I don't know what I just read? Who doesn't understand the words that's coming out of my mouth? <laughs> so would you all say to me and agree with me this morning, those four things are pretty important if we want to have healthy church. So what does it mean to have apostles teaching? I'm not an apostle. I'm teaching, but I'm not an apostle. But I do know one that is apostolic and I'm functioning really under that anointing. Right now, his name is Andrew Sely, Andrew and Emma who planted this church 24 years ago. So I'm devoted to that, but it's more than just apostles' teaching, it's the word of God. Are we devoted to the word of God? And I'm so far of my notes right now, and I know that. Don't do as I say, say as, well, that that thing, yeah. For those that I've been teaching how to teach. The next one is fellowship. It's an integral part of the church that we fellowship together. It's not just high and by on a Sunday, maybe seeing somebody on a Wednesday or whenever you have a Bible study. You see, because I want to show you something where we traditionally got this wrong. I mean, I come from a church. I got saved into a church where seven days a week we used to do stuff. And we thought because we're busy, it was fruitful. We had a Bible study, we had a prayer meeting, we had all those elements. But the one thing that we lacked, and I'm going to grossly quote the Lord of the Rings now, but it's the one ring that binds them all, the fellowship. But it is. You can break bread on your own. It's not lacquer to eat alone, hey. yes, Who's single here? Who likes to eat all on their own? It's not lacquer, not at all. So I invite the family. Fellowship, breaking of bread. Now the breaking of bread, I know it's the table of the Lord, but it's also breaking of bread. Let's eat together. But fellowship is the very heart of it. You can pray alone. Bible says you can pray alone. It's good, but it's good to pray together in fellowship. So it's not a church that's compartmentalized and this is the group that's doing this. This is the group that's doing this. No, it's encompassed in fellowship. We do all those things in fellowship, not outside the fellowship. Koinonia is a very deep word. That's the Greek word for fellowship. It's a very deep word. It's a closeness. It's like marriage. Marriage. I want to go this far and actually stretch it and say to you, it is like a marriage. Ephesians tells us that I'm speaking about a mystery of husband and wife and the way that Christ loves the church and and, and the wife submits. But he says, I'm talking about the mystery of the church. In other words, there's something of a depth. But we come to church and we belong or we abide in church. We date the church, and we check it out. Yes, the worship is okay. The coffee is not bad. The chairs could be better, you know. Kid's church amazing. I look like some random no, acaness now. Like, and we we pick. We become consumers. We, we we pick things like what's what's nice about this church, that you know, it's quite funky. You know, it's got a nice beard. You know. Whatever. Uh, I mean, I I understand that. (laughs) But it's not how we do this. That's not how it happened there. They devoted themselves. They gave themselves deeply to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread together. And to prayer. All happening in fellowship. Let's read the following verse. There we go. And they were, and all who believed. Now, verse 42, we had 43, hey. Now, there we go. And all came upon every soul. And many weren't wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. But I believe that's not just the apostles today. It's us. Signs and wonders can happen through you. And they were be- all who believed we together and had all things in common. The Greek in that sentence reads quite funny. It reads like this. And they were all together together. Would you say that's a bit of Now it's kind of like weird. It's clumsy. If you had to read it like that. But they were all together together. You can go to the mall. You know, I, I know people go pay their tithes at Truus and everything there once a month. Like a mall, less like a home group. Like it's like, I go to Woolworths and put my ties there. And <laughs> I'm teasing, guys. But you can go to a mall, and you're together at the mall, and you're all doing something at the mall. so you don't get upset. <laughs> I'll talk to him afterwards. I love him. And it was wakey wakey in this church. So, so so we're all together, but we're not all together together. I mean, the commonality is I'm at the mall. Well, what's the commonality that binds us together in church? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And that's the only reason why we can be all together together. It's the only reason why we can be like that all together. Together, the commonality, it's not just I'm watching rugby at at, at a stadium together and then we go home. But there's, we're involved in one another's lives. That's what, uh, this is what church is all about. Can you see that this little snapshot of the first church is quite important to each one of us. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. There was no needy people amongst them. When was the last time you sold something and brought it to the elders of this church, this congregation, and say, yeah, I want to feed people. I have food. I want to bring it. Please distribute it. Let's read on. Verse 47. Well, where were you now and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. That's the people in the town. and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Just leave that up there. So in other words, what happens is is that we're seeing a people that's right there they're not just meeting within the church context like this they didn't have a church these are new converts they're not jews really anymore they are converted jews they have accepted jesus christ as their lord and savior but the jewish temple was big enough for everybody so there was space in solomon's colonnade there was more than enough space so they said hey bro i'll meet you there on the first day of the week i'll meet you there the Jews understood something of meeting together. They used to. This is just interesting. They used to meet at the river. If you didn't know who all the Jews in the town, just go to the river. Why? At the rivers of Babylon where we sat down. It wasn't just a Boney M song. It's actually a psalm. Where we wept and remembered Zion. So Paul comes into a town. He goes to the river. He finds the Jews. Peter will come. That's where the Jews would be. Let's congregate together. Let's have fellowship. Let's have konoina. Which is really a deep relationship that we have with one another. And they met in one another's homes. It wasn't just in the church. It wasn't just like let's meet on a Sunday and afterwards have a quick cup of coffee. But invite somebody straight after church. I remember coming into Josh Chen, 2006, April the 2nd sounds like the day that Jan van Riebeer came to South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> 2 April 2016. It was 6 April 2016. I know. Thank you. Um, so I walk into this church. I am I am literally dragged backwards to the bush. I was uns- I was backslidden for five years. Horrible, 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 horrible. Asked a good friend of mine if he's going to go to church. And he said yes. And I committed. And I went to church. And it wasn't the amazing worship that drew me to these people. It wasn't even Andrew's preach. I actually didn't like what Andrew preached that day. His preachers name was how to join a church well. It was an absolute setup. It It was like holy spirit huh. yeah so it was a total setup but the amazing thing was just the, ho- the way that the people were the way that they came over to me and straight afterwards i think i had four or five different people asking if i want to do a dinner with them straight after church and i was like and that whole month andrew did something very interesting there was no communities individual communities all the communities came together in the church another setup okay it was called from foreigner to family hmm Hmm. i think andrew did that just for me okay because i absolutely was a foreigner in the body of christ i was a christian backslidden i might say but i didn't belong i had no home I was dispersed like these Jews were, really. They tried to meet at the rivers of Babylon. They met. They tried to meet, but they had no home. And God placed me, the lonely, into a family. In actual fact, that scripture says God puts the orphan into a household. That's what he did. I was an orphan. By my own choice, I ran away from the Lord. I ran away from church. Who's been, who's been hurt by their car before? Who slammed their finger in the door of their car? Quite a lot of you. I want to ask you what you said when that happened. But 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If you repent, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So here's the deal about this. As a church, if a church has hurt you, and I'm sure that there's plenty of you sitting here today that has been in and out of church, has been hurt by church. Did you throw away, why do we throw away the church? Did you throw away your car when it hurt you? No, you didn't. You just climbed in it and drove away. Very fast, I won't say. The church is God's vehicle. Why do we throw it away just because we get hurt? Why do we do that? And that's what I did. So I'm not preaching, I'm telling you, I'm preaching at myself. That's exactly what I did for five years. Coming into this context, I realized, and I heard this, I heard this message for the first time. And I was like, this is different. I have looked at, oh, 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 and then, 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 now I get cocky in the church. You you know, you're like, yeah, you know, I, I know these guys, you know. So then they sit with me, and then I start asking me questions. So I want to tell them my pedigree. I have seen so many salvations in my life. I've prayed for so many people, and they all fell over. I've seen demons come out, man. I've prophesied. I've done. And there was this wonderful, beautiful gentleman by the name of Russell Fraser sitting in front of me. And he just looked at me. And he goes, Oh, that's. Interesting. i like, come on, bro. Like, I've had churches offer me money for this. Bro, like, they, they phoned me. I, I promise you, Fred dinkum, there was a church in Durban, DCC. They called me once. Become their youth pastor there. I've had offers on the table. And this Oak is not even interested in what I'm saying. And he says to me, but I want to get to know you. Like, what? I'm telling you who I am. Oh, I'm telling. Ta- he's like, no, that's not what I meant. If you have a gift, the Bible says your gift will make room for you and bring you for, before great men. That's okay. Don't try and tell everybody about your gift. Just come and be part of this. Be part of family. And that's how I got stuck into Josh Jane. Because people loved me. Not for what I can bring to the table, not for my gifts, not for my callings, not for my anointings, nothing. Just for who I am. And that is family. So I did abide for a little while. And I loved what I saw. And they challenged me on a lot of things. And I was like, man, I want to belong to this, I don't want to just keep on dating this church. Because I knew that I would most probably find something wrong with this church. If I scratched hard enough, I would most probably find something about this church. You know, they say, if you find a perfect church, please don't join it because you're going to spoil it. (laughs) Because I knew I wasn't perfect, but I'm looking for this perfect church. And all that Jesus wanted was a reflection of New Testament Christianity. That's all. Let's quickly look, quick. Um, just a few things about family, and so what is a value? I wanna, I wanna ask you this this morning about values, because I think you need to see what the values are of this church to understand something of what we're going for. What are we building? What are we what are we what are we seeing? And if you see that, you will run with those people. This I can promise you, this church is big enough for you and your gift. It is. It is it's more than enough. But you need to see the value. Now, let's let's quickly look at a value. I want to say this about a value is our lives are defined by how we think. Okay. You would say that the way that you think the Bible says as a man thinks in his heart, so easy. Okay. And our thinking will shape our living. So the way that you continually think is the way that you're going to live. And our living is dictated by our values. So if I have certain values in my house with my kids, with my wife, It will determine the way that we will live as a family. Now every single one of us has a set of values. Whether you like it or not. You're sitting here this morning. You have some sort of value system. Whether it was taught to you by your parents, by school, by army, by whatever. You've you've got a set of values. And that's the way that you will conduct your life. In other words... What we believe in our hearts and minds to be really important will ultimately display our values through our living. I'll say that again. What we believe in our hearts to be true and in our minds will be really important will ultimately display our values through our living. Since values or the lack of values that we might have Will determine how we live. It is important that we first establish what a value is, okay, and then see what the Word of God says about community living. I've shown you a snapshot of community living there, so let's quickly look at what is a definition. This is just was probably out of Webster's, and it says the definition of a value is this the regard that something is held. To deserve the importance, worth, or usefulness of something. The regard that something is held to deserve the importance. This this thing is important for you. The worth of that thing, the usefulness of that thing. So would you say that prayer is a good value to have? Okay. Why? Why? Okay, Jesus did it. That's a good answer. Oh, Aiden, well done. Well done, Aiden. I thought Francis said it. <laughs> why would you say? Why would you say prayer is a, is a value? Hey, Say, say. It. Getting to know God. It's communication. You're talking to Him. It's not this mode that I go into. I talk to Him. I have a conversation with my Heavenly Father not even a position you can kneel you can stand up i do it in the shower because nobody will bother me there it's the best place stand in the shower and talk to my heavenly father i mean naked i came into the world and naked i will leave he's seen me he's intricately formed me in my mother's womb so says so okay <laughs> what is a value for you what are you looking for what are the values i mean a value is i'm going to pick on dion dion's wearing a pair of nikes okay so there's a there's a there's a value to that maybe because gym's roll, because it's cool shoes i don't know what the value is that he's adding to those shoes but he's prepared to pay a thousand rand or two thousand rand or whatever for a pair of nikes why because there's a value to it for him Now, I'm not here to judge him about the value of his shoes, because it's a value to him. You need to determine what the values are for you as well. What are you looking for? Is this thing valuable? And I can tell you there's 14 things that Josh Jane actually holds dear to. And it's not just Jane's values. It's not the elders' values. I'm not here to tell you what the elders hold value to. I'm here to tell you what Jesus holds value to. I'm telling you, this is the church that Jesus is looking for. This is not something I'm clever enough to dream up. Not at all. Jesus says this is the way. This is how he starts the church when he pours out the Holy Spirit. Then that must be valuable to him. And what's valuable to him, because prayer was valuable to Jesus. Often he would would just run off and go and, find a little quiet spot and pray and talk to his father. That's was a value. If I have values in my home, my kids will hold dear to it. The values that I hold dear to. So I'm going to show you one or two things this morning that we absolutely hold dear to. And you'll hear maybe the language of it's DNA. It's the way that we are built. It's not my DNA, it's biblical DNA, it's biblical stuff, I'll show you. And I want to say to you the first thing, it's in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I'll be very quick, I'm almost done, every preacher says that. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you, do you think this is addressed to you, or is this just addressed to elders, this is to everybody, but you are a chosen race, so I'm a chosen race, I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. A people for his possession, his own possession. There we go. That's who you are. That's what God called you to be. So if we are a royal priesthood, now what did a priest do? A priest would come and he would serve before the Lord in the Old Testament. That's what he did. So would you say. That when you come into church, you need to bring something of that priesthood with you. When you come into church, that you also come to serve. Not just to receive. Because that's what a priest would do. Priest would serve. I mean, and there were lots of jobs. The Levitical priesthood, I I can't remember now how many. You can go Google it. There's, There's plenty of them. There were plenty of them. And they were the only tribe that never received land. Out of the 12 tribes of Israel, they were the only tribe that didn't receive land. Because God said, what I will give you is what you will live from, from the, from the temple. So there was meat, there were things to be slaughtered, and there were things to be cleaned. And they had to all look white and nice in little cloths and clothes and things like that. There's a lot of work within that temple. Do you think there's a lot of work in this temple? We can call it a temple. This house. It's a lot of work. So God's called you to be added maybe to this congregation to come and serve. To be a priesthood of all believers. My job this morning, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 verse 12 says, all that I'm doing as a teacher this morning is to equip you for the work of the ministry. Verse 12 starts with, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4 verse 12. That's all. I'm a saint in this house. So in this, I'm priesting. <laughs> what I'm doing right now is part of my priesting. But if you want me to make coffee afterwards, I'll do that. If you want me to clean the toilet, I'll do that. If you want me to look after your children, I'll do that. do that. You may. I cannot preach this stuff if I cannot live this stuff. I cannot preach this stuff if I cannot live this stuff. You know, when you become a member here in Josh Jen, become part of the household, when you belong and you, and you start contributing, the one thing that we, we always say is what's in your fridge is mine and what's in my fridge is yours. I cannot preach that. And it sounds like a fantastic little, little saying like a little mantra that Josh Chains got. But brother, if you need it, come to my house. I can tell you right now, there's a bit of chicken in there and maybe a gammon ham. So who wants the gammon ham? You see. This is what I'm saying, guys. I'm not, I'm not preaching something foreign here. This is something that we live. I realize that there's actually a church on this planet That's not just teaching about this stuff. They actually want to do it. It's called Josh Jean. They're a bunch of weirdos. They want to take me out. Like four different people want to buy me burgers. I'm like, yo, I'm living my best life now. (laughs) But you know what? That's what I needed. I needed that. Because I was a foreigner. That was pulled into family. Priesthood of all believers. Look at this. What Scripture says? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. Look at this quickly. What then, brothers, when you come together? Each one has a hymn. Who sang a hymn here before? Anybody sing a hymn? Because we're biblical. That's one of our values: is to be a biblical church. Who said a hymn before? So maybe next week, have a hymn, a lesson a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be two or more, or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is not one to interpret, let each of them come silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what he said. You guys saw that this morning. It's not disruption. This is just elders talking. They talk a bit loud, but they didn't need to talk about it. If revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirit of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As it's all in the churches of the saints. So this is what church should look like when we come together. Priesthood of all believers. God says something interesting in Psalm 133. He says that how good and how pleasant it is for the brothers to dwell in unity. When we come together, there's something of a unity. There's something and it's good and it's pleasant. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I remember as a young Christian, that was the greeting from the pastor. Welcome to the house of the Lord. And it is the house of the Lord. Because we come together and we dare to meet with him. I meet with him individually, but as we come together, all together, together, we meet with him. And then he says there's a he commands, that's a command. He says that he commands a blessing, life forevermore. Okay. The next thing that we hold dear to is. It must be a giving people. And I'm not just talking about giving your tithes. I want to ask you this morning. I want to ask you. How many of you have given 10% of your time to Josh Jen? We talk about it. Time, talents, and treasures. We talk about it. But it's usually just treasures that we give. Who can paint. Maybe bring your talent to paint. Give a 10% of your time. Talent to paint. Who can worship. Bring your 10% to the church to worship. To Play guitar. Maybe teach these young ones to play drums or do something. I was talking to Andrew this morning. He says he used to teach, you know, big grown men in Wits University. And now he's teaching children. He's giving 10% of his time. He says, I'm retired, but I'm more busy than ever, ever before. That's giving 10%. Maybe somebody will pay him for that. The worker is worthy his wages. The beauty is, he's giving it back. You need to think like that. That's the church. Elders, am I out of line? <laughs> Are you silent? <laughs> the last one, or, yeah, the last one I want to look at is apart from being a giving people, there must be no generation gaps between us there's not just the young and the old and then somewhere the in-betweens every person belongs every person is important as each part does its bit i always say to the young ones i say to them you don't have a junior holy spirit you can bring a psalm and a hymn and a lesson Sometimes I learn more from young children from, than from older men. My own children, I asked them to speak into my life. I haven't done it lately, but the last time was scary when I asked my daughter. So, talk to me. She goes, Daddy, you cannot call a man an imbecile when he drives in front of you. I'm like, yeah. Jesus loves taxi drivers too. (laughs) No generation gaps. You know what? The young men, we will dream dreams. And the older men will see visions. And I want to say, I need the older men in my life. I need the gray hairs in my life. You are seasoned for a reason. You've learned a lot about life. And I want to learn. I want to sit with older men and learn from them. But I also want to learn from them. And it's great to have children' church up there. It's great because we're teaching them the ways of God. And it's great, but we can't be so compartmentalized. So when we get together on a Wednesday, it can't just be the youth. You guys, you sit in that room, watch a movie, you know, preferably Joseph on Netflix. Um... Noah, uh, dodgy, maybe if you're 13 and more, you know? No, 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 no. The kids must be in. They must be in our community. They must be part of us. This whole thing of children must be seen and not heard. That's nonsense, man. It's an old way of thinking. They're part of us. And so the old people ask, well. And when I say old, you're not old. Old is just a number. Some of you are younger than me in here. There's so much more. I look at Caleb and the Old Testament. He says, at 80, he goes, give me another hill country. Another one. Uncle Ivan and, and Josh Jen. How old was he? 83. When he said, I think I have two more church plants in me. Come on. Auntie Peggy was like 90 going to Isle of Man stage diving. Slowly stage diving, but she did. <laughs> you know, what? I, I look at these men and women around me and I go, Lord, this is the church. This is the church that you're dreaming of. And unless we built the same house as Jesus, we're all just laboring in vain, the Bible says. Unless the Lord builds his house, we're all laboring in vain. So what does Jesus want? Have you dreamed that about that church that Jesus wants, and those are values that we hold dear to this morning? Maybe just close your eyes quickly. We want to preach the gospel wherever we can. It's one of our values. Preach good news. And this morning, maybe as I said, you're an orphan. Maybe you're sitting here and you, fo- you feel like an, a foreigner. You feel like an orphan. But you need to belong to the household of God first. You need to be born again. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus and he said, you need to be born again. He said, what does it mean? He says, well, you need to be born from above. It's not a, it's not a better version of yourself. It's a brand new creation. You're not becoming a smarter sinner just because you know a little bit more. You become born again. And that's what happened to me 31 years ago. So this morning, if you're sitting here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, I would love to pray with you. If you feel in your heart this morning and you say, Stefan, that's me. I want to surrender. I want to, I need Jesus. This doesn't mean you belong to this church. Nothing you belong to the household of faith you belong to Jesus first see anybody else?